Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires. Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is Tuesday, July 12th, 2022, couple days after the, uh, the Southwick National. I guess it's actually called the WIC 338 now. Talk about what happened there. Uh, pretty good weekend of racing. I don't know that we necessarily got all of the battles that we were hoping for, but I thought there were still uh, some interesting things that went on and, and plenty of, uh, of topics to cover here. Before we get too far into that, I do want to thank Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Works Connection, Grant Stone Boots, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. And I'll talk about those guys a little bit more here in a bit. But without further ado, the 250 class. Listen, Jet Lawrence is the baddest dude on the block. I mean, he's proving that week in and week out. Really, the only thing that has stopped him from absolutely annihilating this series was a mechanical failure. Sickness tried to take him down. You know, Hangtown, he was, I don't want to say deathly ill because that's probably overstating it, but he was really sick. Um, I feel like it would it would have been would have been very difficult to fake the how white he was and just the look on his face and body language he didn't look well at all and he was still able to get the win at hangtown follows that up with another win uh, at thunder valley and he, he would have won every overall this year without a doubt had his bike held together so he's kind of dominated even though the points don't say he's dominated the series if you really look beneath the surface and peel a couple layers back, he's dominated this series. Um, he's done it methodically. He's, you know, kind of gone about it every way possible. Dominant days, uh, just riding through adversity days, not the fastest guy, still gets it done. Um, so it's, it's been wildly impressive. Uh, we also have to remember that he's 18. He's about to turn 19. That can't be overstated, even though we talk about it all the time. I don't think you can overstate it because of the maturity factor, the diverse ways that he is finding to win. Um, it's just, it's not common, man. I'm, I'm, I've really turned a corner on where I'm at with Jet Lawrence in, uh, in 2022. Maybe I was a little bit to the, late to the game. That's okay, but I kind of wanted, I wanted it to confirm and like let him show me. You know, I didn't want to jump to conclusions. I didn't want to try to call it too early. I didn't see any upside in that. You know, he, the kid was young. Let him show us who he's going to be and let him grow into that. There's no reason to rush it. I didn't want to put any undue pressure on him. Not that he cares what I say or do, but I just like let him be a kid. And if he's going to be this generational type talent, so be it. He's going he's gonna to develop into that regardless of what we say. And uh, I, I truly believe 
that that's what's happening. Now, I, <laughs> I wrote in my notes here that he's like uh, Omar. If you guys have ever seen that show, The Wire, that used to be on HBO, it's pretty dated now, but it was, you know, by most accounts, one of the greatest shows that's ever been made. Uh, he's like Omar. Like, when you see that dude coming, you better hide. You, you, no, one, no one is safe when that dude is coming. And that's kind of what I, the way I feel Jet is, what he's developing into is if, he's, if you're in his way or if you're competing with him for a, a race or a title or whatever, good luck to you because he is coming and he means business. So um, I, it was just what I thought of in the moment. It's like, okay, who's the baddest dude? And when everybody sees him coming, they know they're in big trouble. And that was Omar. So congrats to Jet. He's, uh, he's certainly on his way, gets the red plate back. Uh, transitioning to his brother, Hunter Lawrence, who went into this race with the red plate. And that was a rough day. Uh, he gets into it with Styles Robertson. He chips his tooth. He loses a red plate. Uh, just wasn't the day he was looking for. And keep in mind, this is a track he went 1-1 on last year. So the narrative was, okay, he got the red plate. Now what's he going to do with it going into a track where everyone expected him to be great? That was the, the problem. And maybe it was just too much pressure. Maybe it was too much too soon because you look at his results last year. You look at the way he had been riding, the starts, the confidence, everything. And you're like, okay, this is going to work out really nicely and give us a great championship down the stretch. Because if Hunter can beat Jet again and maybe extend that lead, that will give him a little bit more cushion for some of the good days that we know Jet is going to have. And it just went entirely the opposite way. Hunter, you know, crashes, bad starts, um, all the things that you cannot do if you're hoping to beat Jet. You just can't. Um, that's, that's a part of racing one of the greats. And I believe Jet's turning into that is you have to be perfect. And that's the same concept that we'll talk about in the 450 class. If you're going up against the best that we've seen, or maybe the best that's one of the best that'll ever do it, right? If these guys are going to be that and you're expecting to beat them, you can't have any holes in your game. You can't have bad days. You can't crash. You can't get into altercations with other riders. You can't get bad starts. You can't do any of those things. You have to be perfect. You just have to. And I'm not saying that it's expected. I'm not saying that Hunter should be able to. I'm just saying what it's going to take to win the title. If you're going to beat a guy like that, that's the only way you can go about it. And it was no different than, let's say, Chad Reed racing against Carmichael or Chad Reed racing against James Stewart, or we could say Ryan Dungey racing against Ryan Villapoto. There have been multiple instances over the years. You could say Jeff Emig racing against McGrath. There have been a lot of those instances where you're not the best guy, Unfortunately, you're racing against an all-time great, but you are still hoping for a championship. And in that dynamic, you can't get anything wrong. There just cannot be any sort of miss along the way or you're screwed because that all-time great is maybe going to open the door to you a couple of times and that's it. And if you, A, don't walk through that door and win that race decisively and then also you hand any opportunities back to that all-time great, well, that's, that's not enough. That's not going to get it done. So I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Hunter and Jet here is just too many mistakes along the way. You look at the crashes at uh, Hangtown, 
just a little tip over right? He couldn't beat him at high point when he had the opportunity. Those things add up. And keep in mind, Jet lost 26 points or 25 points at, uh, you know, Redbud that wasn't his fault or else this series probably looks a lot different than it does right now. If you look again, if you look beneath the surface, it doesn't feel like the championship super tight. It is points wise, but it doesn't feel that way to me anyway. It feels like Jet has been the best guy all along. And it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to stretch this lead out. Joe Shimoda. I thought it was still really impressive, right? Did he win? No. Was he able to beat Jet? No. But going into a track where I didn't expect a lot, I didn't expect him to be great in the sand. You know, you look at Japan, it's not, it's a very hard based place. The track is like volcanic clay and I've been there, right? I've been to a couple tracks there and ridden. It's not sand based at all. So he, he wouldn't have all this experience where the Lawrence brothers do. They spent just months on months on months at Wommel riding during the winter. You just have to. It's the only place you can ride. So it's to be expected that those two would be great here. And Shimoda was, I don't want to say just as good as Jet, but I mean, he reeled him in at certain points and wasn't able to seal the deal. But I still thought that Jet rode really well, or excuse me, that Joe rode really well. And it was a nice backup performance. Like he solidified what we saw at Redbud and showed that he is for real. And that's kind of what I was looking for from him. So good job to Joe, really nice effort. And uh, I think you're going to see more of this as we go down the stretch. He, he could probably sneak in a, a moto win here or there. If, uh, yeah, if, if Joe, or excuse me, if Jet and Hunter have any sort of bad day, um, bike issue crashes, bad starts, anything, I, I think you'll see Joe is the one that steps up and grabs that win along those same lines. Levi Kitchen, a uh, very similar day, right? Just wasn't quite good enough to beat Jet, but it was the same type of ride where he reeled him in a little bit, hung back, wasn't able to, to beat him, which you know most people can't, and, and I don't think most people will be able to, but he's showing flashes. And if you looked at his career trajectory on a chart, you would love to see everything that's happening, right? He's just getting better and better and better. His confidence is improving. When he gets to the front, he's able to go as fast or faster than anybody on the racetrack, which is, in my my opinion, really, really important. Um, you don't want to see get a good start and get shuffled back immediately, which we've seen from guys like that kind of proves that you're not ready for that moment yet. Kitchen's the opposite, where Kitchen gets a start and he's like, okay, I need to win. I, I can go as fast or faster than anybody and moves forward. Um, so that's been nice to see from Levi Kitchen and, and really – solid improvement, which is important because if you're on that, uh, you know, monster Yamaha star racing team, you have to be continually improving or you're gone. Like they just don't have any patience there for complacency. Um, there is no time. Like they don't give you a lot of leash to work things out. You either, you either do well, you're getting better, they think you're capable of winning down the line or guess what your history that's just how that place kind of works which is fine it's just there's a really high expectation so you look at guys like Jarrett fry and some of these guys over the years that have gotten pushed to the side of that team it's because they didn't perform and the team made a decision quickly that this isn't going to work you don't have what it takes to win on this team so nothing personal but you're not going to be here anymore because we have a long list of guys behind you, guys like Romano and LeBlanc and Kitchen was coming and all these guys, not to say they're going to do it either, 
but they're going to get their opportunity. And that's what we're seeing now is those guys basically replacing it. And it's just a constant revolving door. Like that's not going to change. But once you establish yourself there, like Justin Cooper has, and some of these guys you have, and you can have longevity there, but it's a really critical early window where they're assessing. And if they don't like what they see, your time is very short or you're, you're at least you, you better turn it around quickly or else they're going to write you off and move on to the next guy. Like it's just, there's no mercy with that because everyone wants to be on that team and within reason they have their pick of who they want. So they're not going to waste time if you're not getting it done. So kitchen is, is kind of on the other end of that spectrum. And I really like what I'm seeing from him. Uh, I have uh, Michael Moseman and Justin Cooper with question marks. I don't know what to make of their, their day and recent events. Um, it hasn't been good. They haven't been riding that well. The results haven't been there. The speed hasn't been there. Um, you know, most have been more of a question mark than Cooper. Like Cooper's been okay, but I expected Justin Cooper to be continually getting better at this point of the season instead of regressing. And it feels like he's been regressing a little bit. So I don't know what to do with that. And then most men, I mean, think about where he started the season. Like he was, I think most people in a consensus would say he was arguably the fastest guy a lot of the weekends. Now, did he crash? Yes. Did he, was he his own worst enemy? Yes. But that didn't mean he wasn't setting the fastest lap and moving to the front and all those things. That hasn't really been there as of late. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe he's dealing with something behind the scenes that he hasn't talked about. But there's been a noticeable shift there that he needs to break out of. And maybe a start would, would do it. The, you know, comes around the first few corners and, you know, somewhere in the top five, maybe that rekindles um, that pace that we know is down there somewhere. But both he and Barsha in qualifying and just, you know, Barsha had a breakout ride at Redbud, but then he, he reverted back kind of to the same thing that we had been seeing at Southwick. Those two have kind of been in the same spot where they're in this lull. The results aren't there. The speed doesn't seem to be there. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they're working hard to kind of uh, to right that ship. But it's noticeable. It's definitely noticeable. So let's move into our, our power rankings. But before we do, let's, uh, again, thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires. Check out that, uh, that line of MX-32 Midsoft Mini Tires. A lot of you are probably thinking Loretta's. If you have kids, all those things, um, it's primetime riding season. Just check those out. Guts Racing. Uh, obviously they, you know, they've been sponsoring Rockstar Husky team for a long time. They have that RJ wide wing seat that Dean Wilson uses and Dean's back on the bike, which is cool. Uh, so check out guts racing for your custom graphics, Plum Creek funding. If you watch the news at all, you've seen, you know, every other stories about the housing market and mortgage rates going up. And it seems like we're going down this really dark path again with housing. Like it's about to get corrected pretty significantly. That doesn't mean people don't need to buy houses. Um, some people are trying to buy their first house. Uh, some people are forced to move. Maybe your family is growing and you need more space. Like there's all those things that on a smaller scale are still happening, you know, on a big picture stuff. Yeah. Sales are down on housing market. Like nobody's doing refis, all that, but that doesn't mean there aren't individual situations where you don't have a choice. And I think in that scenario, you can reach out to Zach Morris and get some clear answers, right? Maybe he's not licensed in your state, but I promise you, he will give you the right direction and say, Hey, this is what we're seeing. This is maybe the opportunity, or this could be the right loan for you. Or if you're looking to refi, like this is the range you should want to be in. Maybe you want to do a 15, maybe you want to do a 30. I maybe even an arm, you know, adjustable rate. 
I don't necessarily recommend that, but I'm not an expert either. Maybe maybe Zach Wood, he knows a lot more than me about this. So reach out to Zach at Plum Creek Funding. Works Connection, Jet Lawrence, two hole shots. Ken Roxon, did he get both hole shots? He was winning on the first lap, both motos. Guess what they use? They use a pro-launch start device from Works Connection. And I've been telling you guys this all year long and last year too. All you have to do is just look at the results. You know who else uses it? Monster, Monster Yamaha Star Racing. They use it as well. Guess what they do? They get hole shots all the time. Eli Tomac has been getting the best starts of his career. This is the first year in a very long time, maybe ever, I don't know, that he's used a pro-launch start device. So to me, those are pretty clear indications that this product works. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there isn't another product that can work and it's the only one that can get it done. That, that's, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. But I'm, I'm telling you, if you're looking to improve your starts, if you want a product that truly works and that the factory teams choose because of its performance, I think the ProLaunch Start device is that one. Uh, Fast Foundry, I think it's a really critical time for business in that same you know, way of thinking about Plum Creek funding. If you have been watching the news, you know every other word is recession right now. Um, we're gonna get some really critical financial data starting tomorrow and Thursday and Friday. And that's gonna tell us a lot about the state of the economy. I'm pretty pessimistic on that data that's gonna come out. Key thing being here is if you do own a small business, if you work at a company where you're a decision maker, maybe Fast Foundry can help work through some of these dark days that are ahead. Now, do I think we're gonna go into a great, you know, great financial crisis like 08? Probably not. I don't see, you know, it's a very different dynamic right now, but I think we're gonna go into a slowdown, right? Inflation is going to create a decrease in demand and people are feeling poor because the stock market is way down. All these things have a cumulative effect and we almost talk ourselves into a recession because people spend less because they don't feel like they have as much money. They don't want to pay up for costs anymore. Gas prices are through the roof. Like all these things contribute to the recession. Whether we were maybe thinking we're gonna have one or not, it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Fast Foundry can help you through that, get your business as efficient as possible, make sure you're not leaving any margin lying around anywhere because that's gonna be more critical than ever. I think over the last couple of years, businesses have been lulled to sleep a little bit. It's been easy money, cost of borrowing was super low, so you didn't have to stress about those things. That's not the situation we're in anymore. I, I know in my daily job at Fly Racing, that is not the situation. Like We have to be very mindful of our spending. We have to make sure that we nail every you know percentage point of margin uh, and we just have to do the best job possible and be as clean as possible and i think fast foundry can help you do that pro glow wash uh you know i actually used it the other day on my street bike um it's made for this stuff right it's made for power sports you know whether it's a side by side there's a really cool video that they made uh, or had submitted of a customer cleaning his side by side with pro glow and the results speak for themselves um, use a product that's built for power sports. Don't go to freaking CVS and buy whatever's on off the, off the shelf. That's built for stuff in your sink and all kinds of weird uses, cleaning your bathtub. This stuff is built for power sports. It's built to clean chain lube off and different dirt dynamics that you'd see at a, at a track or you know road grime or whatever. Stuff we run across all the time has that oil mixed into it. Uh, and plus, they're just a great group of people that are power sports enthusiasts. And uh, to me, that goes a long way. So check out ProGlow. You can use the promo code MOTO15 uh, at checkout there as well. Grandstone boots, great product. Belts, wallets, of course, they're boots. 
they have everything from loafers to low cut boots to high boots to um, virtually anything. Uh, they have just a really, really wide range of products now. You know, when I started with them, they had basically one product and a few different colors, and now it's this gigantic range of products. So check those guys out. Great group. And again, power sports enthusiasts, maybe their products not in power sports, but they are power sports people. And uh, we, yeah, I, I, you don't have to do anything, but I like supporting those that are in the same mindset that we are. Uh, and then last but not least, fly racing, of course, is uh, where I'm actually at right this moment. And uh, we launched our LE set of kinetic mesh last weekend, and we're about a month away from showing our 2023 line at Unadilla. So that's coming as well. Um, so yeah, just busy times at fly racing. So anyway, let's jump into the, the uh, power rankings for the 450. I appreciate all of you listening to those sponsor reads. I know it's not why you listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time too. I get it. It's just a part of the dynamic. And without those you know, sponsors, we wouldn't be able to, to do this. So it's just, uh, it's appreciated and uh, appreciate your patience. So at number 10, uh, new to the industry seating power rankings is going to be Max Anstey. And I believe it's well-earned. Um, if you look at his, basically his level over the last two weeks, he's only raced two, two nationals. Uh, he's been a solid top 10 guy, like end of story period. You can't really argue against it. Um, he's just been too good. You know, he had bike issues at the first round. We get it. But if you look at where he was going to finish, he was easily inside the top 10. And then he backs that up at Southwick with a five, five on the day. Like, yeah, okay. You're going to immediately jump into the range here, because if you look at the guys that are out and I had McElrath at 10 last week, he hasn't really been kind of jumping off the page or giving me anything to be excited about whatsoever. So yeah, I think Anstey, Anstey deserves it. And we'll see at this final round of the series for him at Spring Creek, if he can kind of back that up. But I've really liked what I've seen from Anstey. At number nine, his uh, teammate in fly racing anyway, is Joey Savacci. And this wasn't the best weekend for Joey. He didn't have that same level performance that he did at uh, Redbud, but it wasn't bad, right? And I think he's still building. He's still getting better. He's still, you know, the fitness is improving and confidence is improving. And I think when he gets the start, he is capable of doing great things. And to me, that's for him, the key ingredient, you know, he's not Tomac or I don't even think he's like Anderson or, you know, definitely not like Sexton yet where they can get a bad start and recover and, and get up into that top five. It kind of doesn't matter on the start as much. I think he needs everything to kind of go his way to see his best day. And we saw that at Redbud. We saw what he's capable of in that scenario. But to me, that's what matters is you got to get the start. you got to get yourself put into a good position. And then the rest of it will come to you. But I still like what I've seen from Joey. I think it's been a really positive uh, summer thus far. Uh, Aaron Plessinger, number eight. That was a breakout day, right? Now he's got to follow that up and he's got to show us a lot more than that. But that was what we've been waiting on. We wanted to see, hey, can you do this? Can you be a podium guy, podium guy again? Can you go out there, move forward, run the pace of the leaders and be worth that million dollar paycheck plus just from KTM, right? He's probably a $2 million guy all in easily. Um, but he wasn't performing to that level coming off the injury. So to me, that was really positive reinforcement for him that he can do this. Now he's got to show that it's sustainable and he can be that guy week in and week out. Can he do it? I don't know, right? That's for him to answer. 
but he's going to have another test come this Saturday. At number seven is Ryan Dungey. And I'll be honest, I thought Dungey was going to get a podium at Southwick. I did. Not going into the weekend, but when I was watching him in time qualifying, when I watched him on the first lap of the first moto, like how he was charging forward, I'm like, this is the day, right? Conditions are tough. He's in crazy good shape. He is going to persevere here and get it done. And really, if you look at the situation, the door was open. Uh, I, you know, it wasn't, none of these guys had a huge day like, okay, AP was in there, Christian Craig was in there, but, you know, Roxon would be a typical podium guy. He wasn't having a, a, a great day by any means, in my opinion. So I thought that the door was open for Dungey to kind of make it work. And Barsha was the benefactor of that at Redbud, right? So there's been that third spot up for grabs. And I'm not saying that it's easy by any means. Like that's, that's certainly not the point, but I think it's, it's possible for these guys to go grab it. And I think this is going to be a huge opportunity this weekend at Spring Creek, and I'm sure Dungey knows it. I'm sure everybody's kind of expecting it. But if that door is open again, and it may be tough because Kenny is great at this racetrack, but if Dungey could get the starts and hang in there early on, this could be the weekend where he gets that podium. If he doesn't get it here, it's going to be tougher. You know, he'll need to be really opportunistic and get the perfect scenario, which could happen any weekend. But everybody has to be thinking this is the weekend for maybe that breakthrough ride. We'll see. I don't know if he can do it or not, right? It's not going to be easy. Um, I think Tomac and Sexton are the locks for the one-two spots. It kind of doesn't even matter where they start, it feels like. So there's really that one spot that's left open. At number six is Justin Barsha, and that was not an ideal day. I think everybody would probably agree with that assessment. Um, I thought he would be better. He's always been good at Southwick. This wasn't his, that wasn't his day, right? He didn't get the starts. He didn't seem to have the pace. Um, it was just a pretty big regression from what we saw at Redbud. I don't, and I don't know what to attribute it to. I don't know if he just wasn't feeling it. I don't know if it's, you know, the gas gas is just a little bit different at Southwick versus other machines he's ridden. That could certainly be the case too. Uh, but Plessinger seemed to be pretty good, right? And the chassis are very similar there. Um, he just didn't, he just didn't look like he quite had it. Um, at number five, Christian Craig, and I'll circle back to Barsha and Craig specifically uh, when we finish up. But Craig at number five, he was the opposite. Like he had a great day. He led the first moto for a really long time. Super impressive ride he had there. I actually thought he was going to win the moto, but Tomac just honestly just has too much, um, which is understandable. But man, Craig really looked great. Goes up there and passes Roxon, which. I don't think most people expected. I certainly didn't, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he got it done regardless to go up and pass Ken rocks and early in a moto is just something most people can't do. So really nice job from Craig. He vaults himself into this motocross the nations 250 spot, which we'll, we'll wrap this podcast up with, but uh, yeah, nice to see him progressing and he's kind of been good all year. He started off the season super strong, maybe took a step back, at a few rounds. I think the speed was there, just wasn't nailing every detail to get the result. And then this weekend was a big jump back forward. So, so nice, nice day from, uh, from Christian Craig there. Roxon is at four, and this is more of a body of work. Although he was six, four, right? It's, he he kind of still deserves to be in here. I wrote meh, which is, you know, it, it's kind of a newer kid's term. 
Um, but it's not horrible. It's not good. It's certainly not a good term. But it's not like he was awful. But I, I expect a lot from Roxon. Like my expectations of Ken Roxon are super high. So I, when you tell me that Roxon is leading both motos, I'm, I think it's an easy podium. That's just where my mind immediately goes to is like, oh, he must have got on the podium that day. Not 6-4. So that's more where the meh comes from. Now, if he was 10th on the first lap, both motos, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. He moved forward, maybe just ran out of steam. But when you're winning and you end up with a 6-4, that is a significant difference. And it changes how you approach the thought of his day. It approaches, it changes basically everything. So we'll see, man. I'm still holding on to this. As the season goes on, he's going to get a little bit worse and worse. Um, I hope not because I, I think he brings so much to this series, but it, it's hard not to be thinking that way, right? The trend is certainly moving that way. Number three, Jason Anderson, and it's just been up and down, right? Supercross was so amazing. Seven wins, consistent um, mistakes, yes, but consistently great. This motocross season has just been a little bit more more mistakes and less bright side, right? The riding is still great. I, I don't want it to seem like the riding isn't good because the riding is phenomenal. But you can't, can't crash in the first turn, which he did at Paula and again this weekend. You can't make mistakes. You can't get into it with people. Like he got into it with Barsha on the parade lap at, at Redbud. Like all those things are negative impacts to your result. And okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not re, uh, I guess, what is the, the right phrase here? Sorry. I'm not um, reinventing the wheel. There we go. With saying that, a, you know, crashing in the first turn is going to hurt your results. Like that's pretty obvious. But if you're looking at why is he not further up in the points? Why is he not a contender to win these events? Because when you look at the riding, you look at the lap times, you're like, okay, there's a, there's a disconnect here because he looks great. Like his lap times are phenomenal. I think he was, a, he was I think he was the fastest one in the second qualifying session last weekend on dirt that I don't necessarily think is his strong suit. And then you look at the results and you're like, okay, what happened, right? If you were, if you were just looking at a binary, this is the speed, this is the result. You would immediately say, okay, what happened? Something happened in here. Either the fitness isn't good or a crash or a bike issue or something. And I think more times than not, it's been mistakes from him that are holding him back. I don't know that he can fix it. I don't know. But I, I think I can assess what the problem is, and I'm sure he understands that as well. Um, but, yeah, that's really what's holding him back. And a guy that was this same character in Supercross is number two, Chase Sexton. And Sexton has somehow figured out how to remove those mistakes. He's not winning like he was early in the season. He's lost the red plate now to Eli Tomac. But he is consistently overcoming adversity. He's overcoming bad starts. He's overcoming any sort of tip over. Um, the, I think the, which moto? First moto or second moto at Redbud, he had a mishap where he dropped a bunch of spots. Guess what? He passed all those guys right back and went towards the front again. That's what you have to be able to do. If something goes wrong, you have to be fast enough and resilient enough to overcome all of that and still get to the front. That's the only way you can win a title. That's the only way you can beat a guy like Eli Tomac. And I was talking to, not talking to, I was talking about this earlier with Hunter Lawrence, and I went off on that tangent about Carmichael and the Chad Reed trying to beat them and, and Dungey trying to beat Villapoto and on and on. This is the same thing. This is Sexton trying to beat 
Eli Tomac in his prime firing on all cylinders and doing everything right. And if you're going to be Chase Sexton in this dynamic, you have to be perfect. You have to. You can't give points back. You can't get bad starts. You can't tip over. And you've got to win on top of that too. You can't start the season super strong and then slowly fade off. Like that's not going to get it done. It's, it's, he's great. I don't want it to seem like he's not going to be on a factory team or getting, making a ton of money. But it, I'm talking about purely winning the championship or not. End of story. And if that is you know, pass-fail, you've got to be perfect. You have to. And I'm not seeing perfection right now. I'm seeing a great season. I'm seeing him turning the corner. And I'm seeing him becoming a championship contender year in and year out. That's what I'm seeing happen. But in this season, I'm not seeing championship stuff at the moment. I'm seeing that from Tomac. I'm seeing Tomac just doesn't matter if he starts first or 10th, he's winning. That's what Eli Tomac does. And that's why he's so difficult to beat over 24 motos. The key here for Sexton is if he's going to win, he's got to keep it tight over the next few weeks, steal some moto wins, keep it within a few points and just drag this thing on, right? You want to, I'm stealing cliches here, but you want to drag your competition to deep water and then hope you can swim better than they can. And what I mean by that is if he can keep this close, a few points, maybe he steals a lead back, maybe he's a few points down, and they get to Fox Raceway for the last round, which is Sexton's best track, he's got a shot. He can go into that race saying, I've won here almost every time I've been here. Maybe I have to go look back, but damn near every time I've been here, I've won. Why am I not gonna win today? If I win today, that's going to be enough to win this championship. He's got to keep it close enough to do that. The problem is he's got a, we got a bunch of races between now and then, and Tomac is just on fire. So I don't know that he can do it. I would say the odds are probably against it. But if you're trying to draw up a game plan of how you're going to get this title done, I think that's the most likely scenario is keep it close and then drag it to the last round. You know, in, a, in football terminology, you'd say we just got to hang in there till the f- fourth quarter and then anything can happen, right? We just got to stay in there and hang around and not let, you know, not get, let the game get away from us, not let the points get away from us. And if we can get to the fourth quarter when it's down to just a drive or two, then maybe we can steal one. That's where I think kind of it is for Sexton. Number one, Eli Tomac. And this is, uh, yeah, this is peak performance right here. This is your... Three-time, you know, outdoor champion showing what he's got. Um, Everything's kind of clicking. The bike setting seems like they're sorted out now. He is doing everything right. The starts are even there, which hasn't been a thing for him for a very long time, maybe ever. Um, So it's it's a a really, really tough ask for anybody to beat him right now. And, you know, I wrote in my notes, good luck to anybody wanting some of that because uh, it's he's just got everything clicking. It's just going to be a really, really tough situation to uh, to beat um, doesn't mean it's impossible I think Sexton has the raw speed to possibly get it done but uh, man Tomac is just he looks solid right like what, what's your angle because typically if you were trying to find an angle it'd be like okay he's going to get a bad start and I've got to disappear like what Roxon used to be able to do I've got to be gone by the time he gets to second to where it, the lead is just insurmountable Tomac's getting good starts now. <laughs> so that plans out, and there's just not much left. Um, when you have the fastest guy who's also getting really good starts and also, you know, I would say the fittest guy, 
I don't know what you really do with that. There's really not much you can. So congratulations to Tomac on all of his success as of late. He's really, really impressive and uh, certainly looks like he's on his way to, uh, to maybe winning another title. So that's it for this week. The last note I have is on Motocross of Nations. Supposedly the team is Tomac, Sexton, and then a toss-up between uh, Barsha, Craig, Anderson, and Justin Cooper with Craig and Barsha as the lead two. And it looks like it's gonna be between one of those two. Now I kind of lean towards Barsha because of his experience at this race. I think his riding style lends to a 250. He revs it, he's aggressive. And I also think just his mindset of this race is perfect. Um, He doesn't really seem to care about pressure, whether it's at this round, look how many times he's won a one, right? The most pressure cooker of events, he always rises to the occasion and gives his best effort. That's important and super important at this race in particular, when everybody's gonna be there, there's gonna be 100,000 people there, you know, you're not going to be able to probably sleep the night before because there's just going to be so much weight on your shoulders. And if they go with Christian or someone else, like, I don't know that they've ever, you know, Christian, especially, I don't know that he's ever felt something like that where the weight of an entire country, every motocross fan is all dependent on you. I'm not saying that Christian can't do it. That's not for me to decide. I just worry about that being the first time you've ever done it. Now, if we were going to like Latvia or somewhere Half of America, American fans won't even watch it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay. If you think that's the best choice as a team, great. Let's do it. But this race, man, I I just want every single, you know, I dotted and T crossed. I don't want to leave anything to chance. And uh, I wish Justin Cooper was at his best form. I think he is the best option, but he's just not riding very well right now. So that makes us look for alternatives. And uh, I personally believe that if you give Justin Barsha time, you give him a, the, uh, the nod early where he can start riding the 250. You know, certainly the gas gas is capable. We've seen Mosman do really well on it. And I just think he approaches this event the right way. And he'll come in. I, certainly he's going to be a little bit nervous, but he knows what to expect. He was here last time. He's raced this race a ton. And I've, I've been to these events and watched him, and he always rides well. He just doesn't seem to care about the outside noise. And it's a real, it has a really hard thing to do at this race. So... That's my take on it. If they go a different direction, if they go Christian Craig, okay, let's, let's get it on. Um, but that's, that's just my worry is that this, this race just, it's really tough mentally to, uh, to be at your best. Like look how, look how 2018 went, right? Nothing seemed to go to plan. So that's it. Thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, we'll be back next week after Spring Creek. I will be back for television for the rest of these rounds. Very excited about that. Hopefully I do a good job. And uh, yeah, excited to be going again. I got a few weekends off for the first time this year and it was really nice, but I'm ready to go. See you.